Neighbor, neighbor and friend. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. If you couldn't figure it out by that really long intro, this is you, me, them, everybody. I stole that from the Blues Brothers. Does that make sense to everybody now? All right, so here's the thing. I'm really nervous. I'm super nervous tonight. I'm not used to having these good of guests. That's not a knock to the people that have performed here, but let's be honest. We have an author that has published books that people read. He's got Twitter followers. We got a man that does a radio show three times a week that has a lot of listeners, and that's weird because no one listens to radio, but they listen to his stuff. And we got a man whose music and art I'm impressed by. I don't know what to do. I feel like a failure, and I kind of want to give up before I begin. Does anyone else feel like that? You shouldn't. This is all on me. I'm sorry. I'm just venting right now. And here's the thing. The only thing that I could think of that would possibly make me feel better is to live like Iggy Pop. Okay? Iggy Pop is the greatest frontman in rock and roll history. He played the greatest dad ever on the show, Pete and Pete. He's done a lot of good things. I am not at Iggy Pop's level. Okay? There's five acts to Iggy's life. I'm at act one. Wait, sir. Number one, I've decided to grow a serial killer mustache. I will now wear this serial killer mustache until I reach act two of Iggy's life. Act two would be making amazing music that changes the world. People want to hear that music 40 years after it was recorded. They want to see Iggy live because there's nothing like seeing a shirtless man that might stab you, that might fuck you, that might rub glass in his chest. There's nothing quite like that. Act three of my descent to Iggydom would be to isolate myself in an awful heroin addiction for about 10 years. And act four is David Bowie comes along and fixes everything I've ever done. He'll take me to Berlin. We'll have sex with wonderful women and men. We don't even want to have sex because we have so much random drugs, mostly Vicodin at this stage, because, you know, we've moved on. It can't just all be heroin. Now it's Vicodin. So we're on our Viking era, and then Act 5 is the reunion tour, and that's when we cash in. So tonight, I'm at Act 1, and if we raise $1,000 tonight, I promise you, I will jump on a table shirtless and stab myself with glass. So here's the thing. We're going to pass around a basket later. If we get to $1,000, I might die. Does that sound okay to everybody? All right, Jeremy Trommer, will you play some music? All right, Jeremy Tromberg, everybody. Jeremy Tromberg is in a great band called The Ragtones, so... Don't buy that music on iTunes because no one does that. But it's on iTunes, so you should. Merle, how are you? Could people hear you? Could people hear Merle? Can you hear me? Can we hear? Oh, here's the thing. Okay, let's switch out that mic right now. Okay, here's what we did. We had a fundraiser. We're learning James Fritz, who's a future guest on the show. We had a fundraiser last week. We're like, oh, we're going to raise all this money, and we're going to sound so much better. Nothing we've bought works. Um, that's, let's, is the mic on? There's a switch. Radio. Is that working? Is it working now? Is it working? It's not working now. Oh, this is awful. Do you see why I was nervous, people? This never happens. Yeah, th- obviously this one works. People just talked in it for a little bit. Oh, there oh, you that go. Works. How okay. you doing, Merle? I'm good. How are you? Could this be going any better? Uh, yeah. No. Nope. Eddie Vedder. Yes. Okay. We have a. Uh, we do a podcast in my apartment. It's in the tiny West Town apartment, and uh, we're gonna do a little bit of what we do in that podcast. Yeah. I just found out that this podcast can save your life. You're a liar. 
No. How could it save the people's The journal life? Alcoholism Clinical and Experimental Research That's tells a me journal? different. That's a journal? <laughs> yeah. They probably got really fancy ads. No, no, no. It's like the kind that you find in the middle of the library. I know. In full of dust. I bet they got a lot of Svedka bottle. Svedka bottle Svedka ads? bottle Absolute ads. vodka? Yeah. All right. So the, what I'm telling you, it can save your life, is essentially that non-drinkers, they did a study, non-drinkers uh, die sooner than drinkers. Okay. And you would think less, right? You, you would think those non-drinkers would live longer. Well, no. not if you're in the bar. You obviously don't think that. You, you want to be told you're right <laughs> at all true. times. And we are all saving our lives right now. We are all living a little longer. I had two Guinness in 20 minutes, Merle. Yeah, and that was good for you. That was good for me. Um, the reason is because, one, people who don't drink are usually not as social as drinkers. As we all know, liquor is the social lubricant. It makes you talk more. It makes more relationships. And that apparently makes, it makes you live relationships? Longer. Yeah, it does. It makes relationships. Come on now. How long have you been with your boyfriend? Six years. How long have you been sober with your boyfriend? Not a lot. That's right. That's why you're together. Yeah. That's the yeah, that's what binds us together. Alcohol. No, but that's that's what it is. People who don't drink usually are in a corner somewhere, sobbing oh, to why themselves. Why are they gonna be in a corner? It's a corner. They live in a corner. <laughs> They own large houses because they don't spend any money on booze, but they live in the corner. And they die sooner. Yes, they do because of that. Because that whole because thing. Because of that. No, because of the whole thing of they don't go out, they don't have relationships, and they have more stress because apparently that after drink, after work drink is good for you because it de-stresses you. I love that we're just, that's a lie, obviously. That's no, it is. It's true. It was in a journal. A lot of things are in journals, okay? A lot of feelings are written down you in know journals. What? I'm going to live by this. This is my Bible now. You, we got this from Time Magazine. Yeah, That's it's a reputable. children's magazine. <laughs> I know. It's got the, you know, connect the dots in the back. But yeah. come on. <laughs> Remember Highlights Magazine? Yeah, I hated it. You hated Highlights? You could never do the connect stupid. the dots, could you? Shut up. Because you were drunk. <laughs> Yeah, I was drunk. That's why I'm still living, though. And I'm going to live till I'm 107. You're not going to remember any of it. <laughs> That's fine. I'll be living. That's all that matters. I don't know if that makes me want to drink more <laughs> or less. Keep drinking. That's the. What that's if you're the... trying to kill yourself due to alcoholism? Don't drink. That's the key. Don't drink. Because that will kill you. You're the best psychologist I've ever met. <laughs> so, no, the, the lesson here is... Drink. We got keep it. Keep drinking Drink. and tip your bartender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a shitty ploy. <laughs> what, that is so bad. Who's ever booed the bartender? Oh, that is true. You yeah. can boo him at the end of the night because then you can run away. Yeah. And never come back. But, yeah, he can run. He's got some legs. I don't think so. I've seen his legs. That's a man that's fallen into many fires, and that's not a joke. Yeah. Oh, that was one of the things. That was one of the things they said, that you may you live a long fires? life. No, you may live a long life, but because you drink, there is that whole thing where you can fall and hurt into yourself fire. He's fallen into three yeah. fires in three consecutive summers. So take it He lives will, in the city. He lives in an urban <laughs> metropolis. Yeah, he keeps finding just fires, house fires just keep coming up, and he falls in them, walking down the street. Apparently, if you're an alcoholic, you live a very exciting life where you walk through fires on a daily basis. No, you fall into them. So how long do you, do you think we went, like, what, five <laughs> minutes too long on that, you think? Pro whatever. I'd go five. <laughs> how long was it? Seven? I'd go I five. I think it's funny. That's what matters, right? 
No? Okay. All right, everybody, this Let's is going to happen. Let's move on. Oh, you were great. You were great. You want a dead battery? Here okay. All right. Um, here's what's going to happen. We're going to bring up Nathan Rabin. And everyone's going to be like, oh, who's Nathan Rabin? They'd be like, you know, the onion. Be like, yeah, I love the onion. That made me cool in high school because I was the only kid that knew what the onion was, and it got me lots of girlfriends who had anger problems. <laughs> or is just this the story of Brandon. Yeah, it's okay. my life. What do you think? You, me, them, everybody's about <laughs> my girlfriends leaving me. You, me, and, and them, and everybody. You might be a girlfriend. Me is me. Them is the former girlfriends, and everybody is in the uh, royal everybody uh, because I have British heritage. So think about that. Esmeralda Leone. Esmeralda. Right. Okay, Nathan, Nathan Raven. And this is going to be awesome. Play the music! Uh, you can tell I'm a very successful writer because I uh, brought my Hot Tub Time Machine promotional backpack uh, on stage with me. He says that as a joke, but <laughs> you're a film critic. Uh, I am, yes. And you're wearing a free, I'm assuming, free promotional T-shirt uh, for Winnebago, man. Yeah, yes, yes. That's most, nice. most of my uh, belongings uh, are promotional items. So what about shorts? Have you gotten any shorts <laughs> as promotional items? Uh, no. That uh, kind of explains the uh, sad, threadbare nature of there my are, shorts right now. I read your autobiography, your memoir. Yes. Do you have to be, like, 80 to have an autobiography? <laughs> Is that the rule? Or a former athlete? Not if you're incredibly narcissistic. Also, I'm uh, an astronaut. You're an astronaut. I didn't really write about that in the book. You know, I kind of figured. Is that I'd just be because NASA's on. lost a lot of funding? That's true, people. I'm also no a, more space missions. I'm Get also, sad. I'm also a cosmonaut. You're a cosmonaut. I'm playing both sides of the field. Literally, yes. it's a very large field. That's true. I got kind of like a Lance Bass thing going on. Why should boy bands be the only how people often, to go into outer space? How often do you get to say, I got a Lance Bass thing going on, <laughs> and it's not a reference to anything gay? I, daily. Daily? I, I emulate, uh, actually, I, my Could, father. Are you guys hiring then? Because I want to <laughs> talk about Lance Bass at all times. Oh, God, we are not. Um, I actually brought my father. I, we get a lot of free books uh, at The Onion. And uh, <laughs> I brought my father a copy of Lance Bass's memoir, Out of Sync. Um, as sort of a gag gift, and uh, see, there's a clever play on words in the title. He was in a band called In Sync. Um, yeah, I made it easy. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Do your own talk show that people try to avoid and go on the beer garden. And uh, my my father, he he read uh, this book, uh, um, Lance Bass, Out of Sync. What did he and think? And he's of like it? that Lou Pearlman. He's kind of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> does everyone know Jews who, look bad. Does everyone know who Lou Pearlman is? He's the guy that filled out the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. By filled out, I mean he had sex with them when they were underage boys. And you know what my... Come That's on, true. More, more, That's more true. clapping for under, having sex with underage boys. Um, so I'm sort of disturbingly uh, fascinated with uh, Louis J. Perlman. And there are a lot of fascinating uh, things about him that yeah. I'm sure all of your listeners want to hear about. Uh, my favorite of which is that he was sort of a legendary con artist. He was sort of like a, a 19th century villain. You can kind of see him like sort of stroking his mustache and like tying, you know, a did maiden you, to, Did you to read the, the Vanity Fair piece about I him? I did. I did. About indeed. the plane? He made all of his money 
running a fraudulent blimp company. That's brilliant! A fraudulent blimp company! That exists! He you sold live in this millions world. and millions of shares in a fraudulent blimp company. They're like, dude, I have this blimp company. We're making all this fucking money. Everybody wants to ride in our blimps. Blimps are the hottest new transportation of like 2003. We're like, fuck yeah! yeah, yeah, yeah Let's yeah. invest in Lou Pearlman and his blimp company. Yeah. And so that was kind of, you know, sort of a, how it was, it was an elaborate pyramid scheme. And the incredible thing is that he was making tens of millions of dollars every year. And he still uh, was just a, sort of a world-class criminal. Yeah. And the photo of the blimp company, you can see his thumb super, like, he just took a photo of a blimp. And you can see somebody holding the photo of the blimp. It worked. So other uh, Luke Perlman facts that everybody should know. Yeah. Uh, when he was on the run, uh, before he, uh, he's currently in jail for the rest of his life. He, Is it uh, really the rest of his life? Literally the rest of his life. Um, he would sign fake names, as people who are, you know, criminals are, are prone to do. And his fake name of choice was Encognito. It worked, people. This works. Encognito. So they sold a lot of his belongings uh, on eBay. Because, you know, he lost all of his money. Oh, keep going. I want to hear the end yes. of this story. Uh, so I don't want to brag or anything, but I... Uh, Are you wearing loose shorts? I'm not wearing his shorts. I do, however, uh, own his blimp license. And it should, it, sh- it should be noticed that it was a fraudulent blimp license. It was a blimp license you get if you've like been in a blimp for 15 minutes. Uh, I own his Republican National Hero Award. Yes, from the, from the Florida Republican Committee. And it's so great because it's like George H.W. Bush, Karl Rove. You know, they all give credit to uh, Lou Pearlman for being an American hero. Um, I also own his bachelor's and his master's degrees. Where do you go to school? Uh, he, at Brooklyn, like at Queens College or something. What about He master's? has an MBA. <laughs> he did not go to Madison. Uh, but so yeah, I own an awful lot of uh, Lou Perlman's belongings uh, at this point. So you're I father. probably own more of his belongings than he does. How much do they cost? You think? Um, <laughs> like if you were trying to resell? Well, they them. were they were about hundred and twenty dollars a piece. Okay. So it's five dollars yeah. now, right? Pretty pretty the much. Uh, well, I like to think that you know, it's like collecting um, baseballs. <laughs> pretty much, yes. Just baseballs, no signatures. Exactly. Yeah, you bet. You know the home run balls. Todd McFarlane bought all the Barry Bonds balls. Because he was real dumb. You know yeah. who Todd McFarlane is? Spawn! And then, and then a week and a half later, all of those uh, records did not exist anymore. He's like, who could have guessed that all these steroid freaks just spending at the same time would play havoc with uh, baseball's rules? Are, is any of it signed incognito? <laughs> is this one place and it, signed it, it incognito? It is not, I'm afraid. He was, he was still kicking it as uh, Lou Pearlman at that point. You know Scorsese's offspring is going to make that film, starring (laughs) Leo's offspring as the next Howard Hawks. He's super fascinating. I highly recommend checking out Lou Pearlman. Lou Pearlman has nothing to do with Nathan Rabin. (laughs) We're talking to Nathan Rabin. Go check out Lou Pearlman. Does he have a dot com? I'm, that should be I'm your actually, dot com. I'm actually in competition with him because I also have a a a crowd of uh, boy bands that I'm a lust. Are they of age? Um. Define of age. What's the, um, in this state? It's seventeen. Define molest. Define fiddle. seventeen. Fiddle and diddle. I just don't understand what words mean. I'm not like being coy or, or enigmatic or anything. You sound like a president. Thanks. Um, I feel like I know you, Nathan Rabin. Oh, thank you. Because I I see you judge things. I have no shame. Yes. Um, 
I think you uh, have given my girlfriend her favorite term to refer to women she hates. Yes. And that's, you want to say it? Everyone knows it. It's the manic pixie girl. Dream girls. <laughs> that's why I said, Nathan, do you want to say it? <laughs> so I don't. Sorry about that. I was a little slow on the draw. Slow on the draw. You're smarter than me. We get it. <laughs> okay, Nathan Rabin. How is it writing a memoir at a relatively young age? Well, I kind of felt like I was getting away with something. Um, and it's a I was, great read, but it's like you're young. Well, when I was uh, experiencing all sorts of horrible traumas uh, when I was a young person, uh, every time something horrible would happen to me, I would just be like, ka-ching, ka-ching. Someday I'm going to make a lot of money off of So this. you and Lou Pearlman are, uh, maybe lose your dad. Uh, uh, pretty much. Um, and that was true, except for the whole making a lot of money off of it. Um, but it, the idea was always that I had an interesting story. Uh, you do and that I could story. I could uh, transform my psychological pain into professional and monetary gain. Um, and I thought, like, well, you know, I'll, maybe I'll write my story like when I'm 40 years old. Um, and what happened was... I was on this television program uh, that nobody watched called Movie Club with John Ridley. I bet more people have read about this because of you than knew yeah. it existed. Well, if you, if you saw how many books I've sold, uh, you would know that that is not the truth. Um, well, no, I'm not nervous anymore. I can insult you all I want. You can. I thought you were somebody. My book sold shit. Did it really? It, it, you my, got a second book. My I, A third book coming out. What? Uh, you motherfucker. What's your... Wait. Well, I, I sold my third book. I still, I still have to write it. What's the book? Uh, it's gonna Can we be, have a scoop? It's, <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Can we get ice cream? Um, you can't. Scoops of ice cream, like Lou Pearlman did, to lure <laughs> boys to fuck. Continue. So my third book is going to be about uh, sort of strange musical uh, subcultures. Uh, oh, so okay. it, yeah, it'll be about yeah, fish and the your, insane clown I posse. I get your gist. Yeah, making money off sad poor people. I get it <laughs> because that's insane clown posse. I used to be uh, one of those sad poor people. Yeah, we're in the I'm hungry a... brain. By the way, look around. <laughs> yeah, feel at home, sad poor people. Um, You're in your element. So I wrote this book uh, called um, My Television Business, and yes, I did steal the uh, title from John Updike. Suck um, it up, Dyke. Thanks, John, uh, or John Irving. One of the two. One, one of those Johns. Um, <laughs> maybe stuttering John. I'm not entirely sure. Um, so I had this sort of surreal experience where I would fly to Los Angeles every weekend to appear on this poorly rated, mildly disreputable basic cable movie review panel show. Mm-hmm. Um, the film was, show. This was on show. AMC before AMC was classy, uh, when, you know, they're kind of like the highway hooker. Of, uh, of basic cable. Um, By the way, I like to I just like to point out the irony of AMC. For, a, AMC, he said, now they're classy, and he referred to them as the highway hooker. I <laughs> said so they used to be the highway hooker. But of, their two uh, biggest shows cable. feature a hooker that Don Draper has sex with and a meth dealer. A spoiler. So how is that? That is the highway hooker network. Um. Yeah, but they weren't that classy. I mean, they were reduced it's to like putting people like me. And I was terrible on television. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I was just like spastic and I made no sense and nobody could understand what I was saying. But it was this amazing, amazing, like very surreal experience. And it was like, it was like very like Broadway Danny Rose where like nobody respected us. Um, and it was just this like very strange Sisyphusian endeavor. Um, and after it was over, I'm like, I will write a book about my experiences. It'll be fascinating. 
So I wrote a book about my experiences. <laughs> and uh, then I tried to sell that book. And uh, my, you know, we sent it out to like all these top publishers in New York. And this was like a Monday. And uh, Wednesday, I got an email from my agent uh, saying, um, yeah, every publisher has passed. Um, apparently, nobody wants to spend $25 on a book about a TV show nobody has ever heard of. I did. Um, and I thought, oh, fuck. Maybe I should have thought about that before I wrote a 400-page book. Uh, that but it's not about that. That's the thing. It's no, but, I, but that led to writing a memoir. Yeah. You know, and my agent, he said, uh, you know, you have an interesting story. You have this voice that people like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, your book should be, like, your life and then, you know, sort of popular culture and kind of combining the two. Um, and, you know, there's always some stupid, uh, you know, angry 14-year-old part of me that's like, no, no, stupid. I wrote a good book. Fuck you, world. Um, and then, you know, after about 10 seconds of self-pity, I'm like, fuck, I should do what my agent says because he's very smart and he knows yeah. what will sell. So I, uh, I sold this memoir. And uh, that was pretty surreal, um, you know, and it's... <laughs> Yeah, it is. It, you sort of said, like, you feel like you know me, and it's yeah. this kind of, like, weird power imbalance where anybody who's read my book knows every agonizing moment of my entire life. Yeah, um, And then I know nothing about, about these people. Um, and I feel bad because, like, it is very... Um, <laughs> Don't, why do you it's, feel- a, it's always weird when people are like, I really liked your book. It was so honest. And, and what they mean by that, and they have no way of knowing whether you're honest or not. I mean, you could be making everything up. And I think what they meant by your book is very honest is nobody would lie about the shit that you've written about because you sound sad and pathetic. That, yeah. Yeah. You did. You sounded really sad. I did. I did. Um, well, but, that's the thing. If it ends at like page 150, it's like, this is just really annoying no, totally. and sad. And I had, to, I had to fake a fucking happy ending in my book. Um, and, and not just because my book involves getting handjobs from prostitutes. Which it does. Um, Is that because you're not a real man? Didn't go all the way with the with the prostitutes. Like, why do it? It's well, there's, there's nothing you can't I... be charming enough to a, a man or a woman to get a free hand job. <laughs> like, why are you spending money on that, man? Maybe you wouldn't try to sell the book if you just were getting free hand jobs all the time instead of paying for them. You're right. I, I know I'm have, right. I would not have written this book uh, if. But I'm gonna say, hand jobs are difficult. You know, they're 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 is that, they're is that arduous. The book you just sold. Hand jobs are difficult by name. That would be like my fourth or fifth book. Hey, who's am I the classiest talk show you've been on? You, Nathan's <laughs> been on the interview show and the late live show, and uh, they're not like this. Um, There's considerably less to talk about how difficult hand jobs are. Yeah. So but what's the difficult. point? I mean, that's why you're here. Uh, let's talk more about that. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on a minute. How are they difficult? You're the one just getting them. You get to lay back and no, relax. No, you've never gotten a hand job. Then. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's no. obvious. That's not true at all. Uh, yeah. Well, so? they, they just—it's uh, sort of the the you know cost to benefit ratio for the person giving the hand job. Uh, I guess they're the one expending all the energy. Exactly. Exactly. So then, but why it's, is but it it's hard it, for you? But it's a lot of energy for you know a delayed or, or not very substantial reward. I just like to say I'm, I'm glad that my family is not listening. Uh, We're going to send them a copy to, 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 to this podcast uh, so far. Um, Thanks. But I'm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll send my them family a copy. all abandoned me. 
Yeah. We'll I never met my copy. dad. I get it, yeah. Nathan Raven. We'll send him a copy That's why with your a big book long to me blip was in a, it. was a fantasy about family, okay? <laughs> Different people, Nathan Raven. Now you know me. Now look me in the eye while we go get hand jobs. <laughs> All right. I feel like we should end with that, but I don't ever want this to end. That, that's true. Uh, so getting back six or seven conversational threads before, um, so when I wrote this book... Is I, that your TV personality coming out? You're taking the reins back? No, I just I feel like I should make sense at some point. I think you make the most sense. I have this tendency to not make any sense, to just kind of ramble incoherently. And I feel like I have to fight that. And one of the ways in which I fight that is when I deviate uh, very widely. Um, you see I'm making all sorts of nonsensical hand gestures right here that got me kicked off of television. Um, I go back to where I was before. You keep talking about this. hands, by the way. Did you notice that? Yeah, that's it's weird. When I was doing my uh, television show, the we just did it again. It's awesome. Well, the producer he used to uh, work on uh, sneak previews. Okay, uh, with <laughs> with Roger Ebert, who you might be familiar with. I'm familiar. And he's like, you know, you have this weird thing where like you like everything is too much, and like when you're talking, like you make every um, facial gesture like consecutively. Um, and then like you don't know what to do with your hands, so you always make this hand gesture that Roger Ebert would do. And I call it the groper, because this is what it is. Um, so it's because I'm holding this microphone that I'm not doing this constantly. Which apparently is the hand gesture you do if you have no idea what you're doing. So what I was saying when I was saying that I had to fake a happy ending was when I you know, sold this book proposal. Um, I was fucking bombed. I had written a 400-page book. Yeah. And they're like, who the fuck would want to buy this? You suck. Um, Did they say you suck? That's not professional. And, well, was, my agent, God bless him, is, is very, very blunt, uh, almost to a fault. And he's like, yeah, you know, we sent it to 21 people. You know, some of them really love your voice. They, you know, want to work with you on another project. Some of you feel like the uh, subject matter is a bit of a deal breaker. Some of them, they just don't like you. You know, which growing up with a very low self-esteem is like, why don't they like me? Do you um, want to lay down on the couch? That's okay. You do have a couch, though. That's yeah. kind of nice. It's got kind of a, a you know, a whorehouse vibe about it. That, I know. Couch there. Like AMC. <laughs> yeah. This is an AMC network tribute bar. And there we go. We don't have any TVs, though, because we like Mad Men, and they didn't have TVs at that time. So we just think about the shows. We don't talk about them. You don't talk in Mad Men. You just think. That's true. And abuse women. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing a vest. I, you've got kind of a madman thing going on uh, right now. There, I'm, I'm yep. very impressed. Um, so yeah. when I so when I wrote this <laughs> book proposal, um, I was just fucking bombed. I'm like, I suck. My life is going nowhere. I want to write a book, and nobody wants me to. Um, and my agent was like, you know, it'd be nice if you could kind of like write something at the end that was like positive. Because, like, nobody wants to read something that's just depressing. You know, like, I read this... Um, the Catcher book. in the Rye <laughs> is one of the most successful books ever. Yeah, but people want a redemptive arc, you know, for, like, real people. And what I'm thinking about, there was this book written by this woman who was married to Paul Westerberg. Um, she was in a This band. is already a it was great a story very... for a bar. Thanks, thanks. Um, and she wrote this book, and it was like I was in this alternative rock band, and we tried, and you know, we gave them <laughs> all, and I have multiple sclerosis. And then we just gave up because we sucked and we failed. And that's how the book ends, you know? 
And I'm like, there was no real kind of glory in that failure. It's just kind of depressing. It's just kind of you take us on this ride, and it ends with like you That's know, my being, show. being let off, and That's like you, you know, them everybody. Yes. Um, you know, in like some sort of like abandoned shack somewhere. Yeah, that's what this is. Waiting two hours when I'm the only one still here crying. <laughs> Listening to the replacements sing Here Comes a Regular, which I've s- listened to in this bar alone and cried. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan Rabin, everybody, we're going to plug your stuff or else it's going to go on forever. Um, don't clap. Buy his books. Money. Thank you. Think, people. He's an author. He's an artist. Um, I, I read the and big... a sentient tax shelter, <laughs> like Luke Perlman. Exactly. We brought it together. We did it. Okay. And the proprietor of a fraudulent Blimcom. <laughs> um, I, I bought the big rerun when it came out, and I really, really like it. And now there's an updated version in paperback with an extra chapter. So buy that. It's even more humiliating. There is a, a, a brand new book called My Year of Flops, yes. which I'm reading. It's great. Oh, it's a collection you. of his uh, pieces in the onion with also bonus stuff. A whole lot of new material. Yeah. Because uh, most of the original stuff sucked and well, I had to rewrite it. Like, could you guys talk for a little bit? I'm going I'm gonna to give him his presents. Oh, no you get presents when you come Yay. here. You so do something was, fancy, folks, and you get on the show. I was actually looking over there, and I, um, like, I couldn't really make it out, but I could tell it was pump up the volume by the font. And, is that the pump up the, the volume studio. font? Uh, yes, it was the pump up the volume. <laughs> well, this is one of your presents. Well, my, one of my favorite things about pump up the volume, the finest rock and roll movie ever made, was, and this is like every geek's uh, fantasy where Christian Slater, you know, he's very tortured and like nobody understands him. Yeah, and he him. was 37. And he's like, all oh, the themes have been turned into theme parks. You know what I'm saying? And I thought he was so whiny. Uh, he was incredibly whiny. In so he has this underground, you know, pirate radio station that of course... Like, like us, like us! Yes, that like Interpol shuts yeah, down at the end of the movie. So uh, this sort of, uh, I guess, manic picture. Yeah, Carlos Carl D type. from Interpol drove up and... <laughs> She, uh, played by Samantha Mathis, she says, hey, you're that guy who does that pirate radio show, right? I'm going to take off my top and a little Here are my naked breasts. Exactly. Who doesn't wear bras? That ruined my high school career. Exactly. And he's like, oh, my God, you know, this is, like, making me uncomfortable and stuff. Um, Another movie. So, you know, I was, like, 14 years old when I watched this, and I was, like, waiting (laughs) for, like, some woman to be like, hey, you're weird and unusual. Look at my breasts. And that it never it, happened, did it? That only happens if you're Christian uh, Christian Slater. Thirty-seven year old Christian Slater. And steal the air. You also get a copy of Booty Call. Yay! I've, and I've seen this the many times. Sixth Man. Yay! Oh my God, I've seen all of these movies. This is well, the now you get to watch the movie. Stars this, Kadeem this is one of my as favorite. a ghost basketball player. Um, Fuck you! It's, it does. It's, it's Marlon Wayans who's the ghost basketball player. No, who's, Kadeem Hardison oh is boy. his pal. Who? Who? was a basketball player who is now a ghost basketball player. Right, but I think it's Marlon Wayans who's the ghost basketball player. No, Marlon Wayans is the... the Thank you. Okay, we gotta (laughs) fucking end this. I'm sorry. Um, This is from the next... You'll never know. Buy his books and you'll figure it out. Um, This is from my ear flops. It's page 93. And this sums up what his next book is going to be about. Think about this. This is from the chapter about glitter. Carrie unleashed an avalanche of criticism when she handed out popsicles and indulged in an impromptu strip tease during an infamous appearance on MTV's Total Request Live, well into what can be dubbed as the crazification process. These public relations disasters echo the scene in Nashville, where Gren Wells' painfully untalented looker desperately takes off her clothes in a pathetic attempt to punish slash win back a crowd by giving them exactly what she thinks they really want. 
Incidents like this speak to the fundamental hypocrisy at the heart of our culture's attitude towards sex and ambitionism. We leer and ogle with impunity, then, once some vague, invisible line has been crossed, turn to disapproving prudes concerned only with protecting the innocence of a child. That's what happened to Tia Tequila at the gathering that Nathan Rabin covered by his third book, by his second book. We have to end this shit. Um, Nathan Rabin, everybody, please, please clap for Nathan Rabin. All right, all right, all right. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. We got great, great guests coming up. We got the comedy of James Fritz, and we have the music of John Lankford. And uh, I feel really, uh, really happy to be able to say that. Merle, how do you think the show is going so far? We're talking. We are talking. (laughs) What? Oh, God. Here. Hi, Brandon. Kevin McGuire, everybody. Kevin, why are you on this stage? Don't clap for him. Why are you here? I'm really upset, Brandon. I got problems. What kind of problems do you have, Kevin? <sighs> I'm too embarrassed to tell then you. Then why would you come on stage to tell me? Because I'm upset. I need help. What can I help you with? Let's help each other. We have to help okay. each other. Do you, do you promise? Promise you won't laugh at me. I promise I won't laugh at you. Okay. I'm having problems in the bedroom. Well, that's normal. Everyone has sexual problems every once in a while. What, what is... What did you say? Everyone has sexual problems once in a while. It's completely normal. What is that? What is what? Problems? Sexual. What's sex? Yeah, what well, is that? Sex is when a man and a woman ah! or a woman and a woman what? or a boy and a boy or Ugh. many different combinations put stuff into stuff or rub stuff on stuff, and it's really fun. That's disgusting. There's nothing wrong. You didn't, go to, a you didn't, you didn't have sex at in no, school? No, I didn't go to school. Why didn't you go to school? Because of my race. So you didn't... So what kind of problem do you have in the bedroom? I, I don't, I don't have a bed. That's my. What happened to problem. your bed? Well, I got bed bugs. You know, it's going around the city. No, bed it's bugs. not going around the well, city. Well, I had bed bugs, so uh, I burned my bed. So I don't have a bed. So That's that, my problem. That's my bedroom problem. Could you sleep anywhere? Yeah, I mean, I could sleep on the couch, but what I'm really concerned with is that I don't have anywhere to do the Cleveland steamer anymore. Get off the fucking stage right now, Kevin McGuire. That's it, Brandon. You made my shit list. Kevin McGuire, everybody. Kevin McGuire. Get off the stage! He lives here, by the way. All right, coming to the stage is uh, one of my favorite comics from Chicago. Um, And if you like him nearly as much as I do, well, then you have really good taste because he's funny. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, James Fritz. Play him on, buddy. Play James Fritz on. I'm on. You having a good summer, Brandon? Okay. Yeah? You having a good... You guys like that question every year of your life till you die? You having a good summer? Oh, my friends know me. They know I'm not having a good summer. They know I'm 32 and I'm poorer than I've ever been in my fucking life. They know I sleep. I wake up on an air mattress every morning. And that's not the depressing part. The depressing part is when I wake up and realize that said air mattress is a loner. I don't even own the air mattress 
the constantly deflating air, it's deflates all the time. I wake up in the middle of the night to pump it. Every morning I just wake up closer to hell on this fucking thing. <laughs> oh, having a great summer. Life worked out. I'm following a major writer who has three books. I have a, I'm on my eighth notebook of cock jokes. Things are great. Did you have a good 4th of July? That's a great holiday I used to enjoy until I lived in Chicago and fucking can't even enjoy that shit anymore. I'm from Kentucky originally. I had to move here because I'm a reader. And like, but anyone, I've been here 10 years. Anyone else tired of waking up every morning with Mayor Daly's head lodged in your urethra asking for a dollar for shit that used to cost a dime? What the fuck? How is everything in the world going up a quarter every month I live? I don't understand. Cigarettes are barely legal, but 10 bucks a pack. You need a helper monkey with a bag of nickels to park downtown for five minutes. I fell asleep in the park last week without a permit and woke up with a Denver boot on my anus. Do you want anyone to live here, Mayor Daly, King, Lord, and Savior? Can we elect a new guy? They do that in other cities all the time, I'm pretty sure. And I don't, I can't even enjoy the 4th of July anymore. It used to be my favorite holiday because, like I said, I'm from the South. I like getting drunk and seeing shit burn. But, like, now I can't even enjoy that because the city of Chicago a couple years ago outlawed sparklers. That's how free we are as a people. Spark, are there that many sparkler deaths happening? Like, we left it on the baby because, like, the sound, and it just burnt right up. No, that's never... Never happened ever, but the city of Chicago is like, hey, you thumbless retards, you can't have glowing fire on stick, but if you want a fireworks display, we'll put one on for you, but guess who's going to pay for it? You are. And then every year in the paper, it's like the city of Chicago spent $3 billion on fireworks in Grant Park this year, and I'm like, motherfucker, there's a pothole in my coffee table. Our schools are worse than Baltimore's, and I watch The Wire. I know what's going on. It's like we're being governed by like a 15-year-old kid who's off his Adderall. You know what I mean? Like, what do you want for this fiscal year, Mayor Daly? I want explosions. Flowers down the middle of the road for no fucking reason. And a giant magic bean. Uh, that's why I'm not a Democrat anymore, too, because I've lived here 10. Any fucking party unchecked for that long is <laughs> really fucking terrifying. I'm so disappointed in Obama. I'm sorry. Like, fucking, the shine is off that fucking rose to me. It's just like, the, the, everyone's mad about, like, too much change. Too f Are you fucking kidding me? Do you remember the last eight years? That was a lot of fast change. Really fast, really. F I think George Bush is still opening secret prisoners during golf games today, and we're like, You're, you, you can't even do the public option. You can't even do the public option. How bad are Democrats at their jobs? They had both houses of Congress, a president who had a 65% approval rating, rating, and they couldn't sell an option to the public. This is a country that needs 700 channels of television, 80 flavors of Doritos, sometimes two in the same fucking bag, and you can't sell an option to the public. I don't know what the fuck laser pickle is, but someone wanted it, and they made it a flavor.
Don't ask, don't tell. That's a layup. I thought he was supposed to be good at fucking basketball. Lay it up, Obama. Lay it the fuck up. That's not even controversial. Like, 80% of the country's cool with that. Even homophobes where I'm from are like, I don't care if you suck 80 dicks, buddy. You take a bullet for our country, you're all right by me. You know what I mean? Like, people don't care. They're still like, I don't know. John Boehner might cut a blood fart. We better not do it. But so, Why? Like, fucking, who gives a fuck? It's not, we're in two endless wars. It's not like gay people blow up differently when they step on an IED. It's not like rainbows and stuffed animals come out of their body. No, it's blood and human guts. Blow up the gays. Wait, that sounds terrible. I guess I'm saying blow everyone up equally. Yeah. I don't know. I love gay dudes. Who else is going to give me coke and call me pretty? Woman hasn't, woman hasn't done that in like 10 fucking years. I drink way too much. Uh, also, living in Chicago, it's hard not to drink too. I don't know. Is it bad when you start referring to bourbon as night coffee? <laughs> Can't wake up without this shit. I don't know. Anyone else get, ever, as an adult, been kicked out of a Chuck E. Cheese at four at four p.m. on a Tuesday with no kids for heckling the band? Yeah. Corner a kid by the whack-a-mole. You call this music? In my day, we had something called the Showbiz Pizza Band. And that's when animatronic music stood for something in this country. You won't even let you redeem your tickets after that. I actually am in an indie rock cover band at the moment. We're called Fold Your Arms, Say Nothing. Apparently, that's how white people enjoy music nowadays. I don't know. I am, like, super liberal. Uh, don't apologize for that anymore because I grew up where I grew up, so I figure I can yell about it now and throw in dick jokes and get away with my point of view on stage. But, like, I don't know. That Another thing, like, uh, people, like, act like liberals are, like, you know, conservatives act like, like liberals are taking over. Are you, there's still a debate over the morning after pill in this country End of, end of story. Men are still in control. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, we all know if men could get pregnant, I don't know, abortions would be legal eight months and two weeks into a pregnancy. Let's be fucking honest with it. Like, boner pill legislation passes overnight. Your grandfathers can die with a Woody, medically covered. But women were like, I don't think you're ready yet to control your... You know what I mean? Fuck that. I'm so liberal, I want the morning after pill on, like, the McDonald's dollar breakfast menu tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, that's the change I thought I was fucking voting for. And they really should serve that past 1030. Am I right, folks? Because, I mean, what? Because those women don't wake up before noon ever. But, no, um... Uh, yeah, like, morning after pill? Like, I want... That's not good enough for me. I want, like... A during pill. I want like a morning of pill. I want something I can stick under a woman's tongue while I'm still inside her, like feeding a pit bull heartworm medication to make sure that I don't shit out some fucking baby. That best case scenario is going to grow up and rob you in 18 years. I'm just thinking about you, America. This is what a feminist looks like. I'm terrified to have children. I really am because... Well, my family and, like, all our genes and shit. And, like, my sister got lucky. She can't have kids. Ugh. But so now all the pressure is, like, on me. And I feel like it's my job to, like, kill the Fritz lineage. We are, like, a, 
We're a negative, mean, nasty, backstabbing, unhappy people, and we need to be off the fucking planet for your benefit. Like, for my kid to have a fighting shot at, like, having a happy outlook on life, I would have to mate with the happiest, most positive woman who ever... I would have to fuck the progressive insurance lady, basically. <laughs> for my kid to have a fighting chance at cracking a smile by, like, grade three. And I don't think Flo's into me. I don't think I'm Flo's type. She, I think she wants someone with a steady job who can pay for her makeup and doggy treats. She seems like a nice... She has a dog. She's a dog lover. I wasn't calling her a dog. She does wear too much makeup, though. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, babies. I don't know. I probably don't have to worry about that because uh, I, I, I am single. This is the first year I've been single in a while. I recently ended a relationship with a human woman that lasted almost like five fucking years, which is crazy, and I think that was my one shot. I think it's over, cause, and if you want to see proof why, I will read you an actual text I received from a 23-year-old woman I was a-courting this year. Uh, she wrote me, uh, I just saw someone on TV hug someone the way you hug me. It made me think of you. Aww, right? That's so sweet, but my stupid brain won't leave well enough alone. This is also a good example of why you should never ask questions. It's like when you find out what's in a hot dog or that John Lennon was really an asshole. You don't want to know that information. So I'm an idiot, and I text her back, oh, explain in detail what you mean. <laughs> she responds, it was an episode of Law & Order SVU. <laughs> For real. A paranoid schizophrenic hugged his five-year-old son that he'd never been allowed to meet before the way you hug me. <laughs> so that's good. And then uh, another true story. My last actual uh, date, I uh, took a woman to a comedy show uh, so I could get in free. And, uh, <laughs> and there was free food there. And uh, towards the other night, they were like, oh, this free food's going to go to waste. And I'm a broke piece of shit scumbag. So I'm like, no, it's not. I'll take it all. And um, I proceed to dump three pounds of pasta just naked into a jewel bag. No container. Just dump it all in there. It'll get eat. You know, and, like, and, and I tie the bag around my wrist like a retarded kid with mittens in the winter. And proceed to go to three different bars with this woman on our first date with a bag of used pasta in a jewel bag tied around my wrist. We end up at the Oakwood, another in a long line of great decisions. That's a 4 a.m. bar I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Last call comes. I'm trying to listen to this woman. I'm looking at her, looking at the bag of pasta, <laughs> looking back over at her, so starving I can't even, her words aren't even making sense. And I'm like, look, you seem like a real nice lady, but you're no bag of pasta. And I went home and I ate that pasta, son. That was, that was insanely good. You want to sit down for oh, a Oh, sure. I'll have a seat. Okay. Listen to that. Isn't that... Isn't the past year of your personal pain worth that 10-second extended nope, money applause? would be better. Money. Yeah. All but right. no, I mean the art and blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, How are you, Brandon? I'm okay. Uh, James is one of my favorite comics in the city. Um, He's introduced me to a lot of really great people, and I think he wants to kill me because every single time I see him, he says something like to the effect of, I want to kill you. Or I'm gonna kill you. I, that's all in your head. You're nope, a lunatic. That's, those are real. Words. I've seen the way you just jut out like brain farts with anger. Like See? this is like on the show. You're like, don't clap for him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> stuff like it was a bit. Oh, it was a bit. Everything's you, a bit. Are you in character offstage too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're so method. <laughs> I love you. This is two days in a row I've had to tell you I love you yeah. just to have you look me in the eyes. What's well, actually, going on? within the last 18 hours, I saw, last time I saw James Fritz was 5 a.m. this morning, so that happened. <laughs> and don't I look good? I clean up nice. You do look good, man. You actually do. You look better than you have in the... I like your, uh, your vest. I'm trying, man. It's really... It's a, a vest. It's vesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show is... I don't to- have anything to autograph. You will. You will. Oh, right. That's why I wanted you on this month. <laughs> oh, thanks. In, what, three weeks now? Two weeks uh, now? Last Tuesday <laughs> in this month. What's the date? 28th. September 28th. Uh, everyone here is going to go to the Beat Kitchen and see James Fritz's if first. they want. I no, mean, no, no. They, get, they have to. Uh, they're going to go. No, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to the Beat Kitchen. You're going to see James Fritz. Do an amazing, how long are you doing? Like 45 I'm going to do like 45 to an hour. You're going to see him do his first live album tape, and it's going to be amazing. And then you're going to realize oh, how expensive drinks are there. And then you're going to come back here, uh, and we're all going to hang out and talk about how fucking awesome that DVD taping was. Or DVD or CD? Just, just a CD. a CD. I don't want people seeing this. I don't think this. the DVD is necessary no. for 90% No of one should have to look at a comic. <laughs> Carrot Top. Oh, my God. Gallagher. I would take a hundred. Dimitri Martin. Oh, he is such a dream. He's got the things with the pads. Is he still around? He had a show. He got yeah, I remember it. Had a lot of squiggles. James has been on the podcast uh, a lot of times before, and I'm not kicking you off, but I'm moving it along. Right oh, that's now. fair. These people are way more talented. I'm flattered oh, yeah. to be on the show. No, I, I, as soon as I got Nathan, Nathan and, and John, John, I was like, I, I want you here because oh, uh, you're more talented and you make me look better. So thank you for doing thanks this. Thanks for show. having me. You're the best. But let's give him some gifts. Oh yeah, yes, you get presents. Uh, a copy that was seven dollars. Why uh, do you gotta mention that? Because <laughs> uh, it's called "Please Kill Me." Was that like a the uncensored oral history of punk? Um, oh, I wanted to give you that because I know uh, I've actually started reading this. That's a it's 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 my favorite book about punk rock and roll. That's about all I can say in terms. My reading's gotten so bad I can't even say I've actually read anything that's anymore. Depressing. I'm like, I've started the, reading that. Yeah, that's sad because you used to read all the time. I used to be. You a need a major. home, James Fritz. <laughs> that's really not a joke. Don't Let's say that to, to the crowd. That makes me sound like a chair. What was the last? Who 10 wants minutes? me to? Who's going to let me stay with them tonight? Not tonight, in general. Uh, you need a condo. You need four a condo. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't go straight from air mattress to condo like fucking. You'll get the bends. <laughs> James Fritz, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, everybody. Oh wait, wait ah, you fuck get it, someone fuck else. It. You get something else. It ain't gonna get better than that. Just give him the rest <laughs> later. There, take it. Well, Run. Uh, Jeremy, play piano for a little bit, and then we're gonna bring up Mr. Langford. <laughs> The music of Jeremy Tromberg and the great, great band, The Ragtones, and now an Otter Petter. So go check out both of those bands. Sitting on the stage with me is someone that's very talented that makes me intimidated and scared to be here, and that's John Langford. Say hello, sir, if you want. Hello, Brandon. Okay. 
Yeah, I know. You should be clapping. Um, you're, I, I, I did a lot of research about that, uh, about you, um, and I'm going to try to ask none of the questions that involved any of the research because I'm very nervous. Because, uh, will, will your nervousness make you shout at me? I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> okay. I didn't have I'm a father, Langford, and that's causing me to act out in poor ways. All right. You're a musician. You're an artist. You're a playwright. You're a radio host. I'm not a playwright. Well, your works have been turned into Yeah, that's because I wrote some songs and then some talented people made them into plays. Yeah, but you're the source material. I was. Yeah, so you're the playwright in a way. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're talking about all the... <laughs> that would be entirely wrong. Don't, ye- Do you don't s- yell at I'm him. I'm not going to yell at him. Okay. Do, you, do you see why I didn't want to use any of the questions that I had prepared? Because it's not going to go well. I know that. <laughs> don't smile at me, sir. Your mustache is great, by the way. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, it, you have an album cover of you as the moon, and uh, as the moon, you have a mustache. My mother said that was the ugliest thing she'd ever seen in her life. <laughs> Which is quite sad because I gave it to her, you know, the album, and she loves the Sadies. What does she think of your work? Um, these days, because she's now 85, she listens to it a lot. What does she that, didn't, She why, didn't used to listen to it at all. Why? Is, why? why didn't she listen to it? Because she's mellowed. <laughs> so you, you were more mellow than your mother when she was 75. Is that what? Wow. I'm <laughs> That's a good question. I'm try- Did I get one? Yeah, that's oh, an I excellent question. One. No, I wasn't more okay. mellow than my mother okay. when she was 75. Why are you in Chicago? Um, Why did you move here? People move out of here. Really? Yeah, unless you're from the Midwest. I was here for a lot, and then I just one, one day I woke up, and I was actually living here. Yeah. Uh, I had an you know, air mattress inflated <laughs> itself. <laughs> that's a callback, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yes. A callback. <laughs> hey, listener, you're not going to learn a thing. Uh, that's for the home listener, John. No, I've been here for a while, so it, I just started living here because I'd actually been here for a long time. I Why do you do you like it still? Um, yes, I do actually. Why? Chicago's a good town for what things I do. Chicago's been great. Yeah, you know, I had two two plays last year. Yeah, which is all I had to do was like hand over a cassette tape of my songs. And then sit in the audience and get free drinks every night. So what can I do to have your life? How much do Babies. you have to offer? Very little. I, I know that. Would you oh. like to do a life swap for a while? Yeah, yes. Could we? Please, come on. How about six months? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm in. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, yay! No, no a, problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's great. My girlfriend's out of town, so you get to take care of my cat. Uh, my apartment's filthy. I don't make enough to pay rent, so I work three jobs. We good? You still in? Yeah. Okay, good. I get your royalties, even if it's bigger still at mall. Oh, right? you can have my royalties. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know. It's a joke. Could I, could I go on XRT as well, your show? You uh, I haven't company? done that for a while. No, no, no. But, but <laughs> yeah. if we're switching, cool. I like your no, show. No, I don't know. I, I like doing this. This is quite good, isn't it? You know. No, it's not quite What's good. What's the hours? You know, I, could, I think I could muster this up. Yeah, you could. Yeah, it'd be successful. It would turn into a play. I know that. That's what happens with your work. People like it. I get it. What do I need to do to make people like me, John Langford? Because everyone loves you. Uh, really? P- 
people that know how to read and listen to good things, they like you. People that go they to do. Yeah, people I'm looking, I'm looking around for help now. People I that do. go to like good bars like you. Not the bar good bar. Good bar. This is a good bar. No, this is a great bar. And Delilah's is a great bar, and your work's been featured. I do go to Delilah's, and I go to the Hideout. Yeah, I, and those are. Great I really bars. don't go to many other bars, though. Could what do I need to do to make you come here more often? Ooh. <laughs> You're doing it! Yay! Sexual innuendos. Yay. That's all I got. <laughs> when I look at you, I feel like I'm doing something right, even though I know as it's going on, it's getting worse and worse. I'm just impressed by you. I don't know what to say. You flushed me. Should I be talking at the moment? No, no, no. Would that help? Comfortable. You are like no. a schoolgirl right now. I am like a schoolgirl right really? now. I no. am. Maybe I should just play some of my. Sort of See, that's perfect. He's a pro right now. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna set up John. Like, do you want to introduce the band before you actually? Set yeah, up? actually, on the uh, on the sofa. It's Tony Newsom, and she was actually in there. They made a play of an album I did called Gold Brick. And it was Walkabout, Collaboration did that. Where was that theater called? Uh, we were at the building stage. At the building stage. They did that like early last year. And that was fantastic. And Larry Dando. who is Yando. What's his name? Yando. Oh, that's some, I'm confusing him with the chairman of Newport County Football Club. Which is very common. <laughs> Whose Easy name to is do. David Yando. Yep. Sorry. I knew that. But uh, he's Scrooge at the Goodman every year now. Oh, really? That's yeah, and he had to be in this play about, and some people thought he was meant to be me. Which was Which is he? very odd. No, he wasn't meant to be me at all. He was just like an everyman wandering through. That's you. A beautiful and troubling existence. But uh, And that's not you. That's not me at all. If somebody made a play about my existence in Chicago and my experiences of coming here, yeah. it would have been really boring because it would have just been like this, sitting around in some bars, having a nice time. For like 20 years. It would be a 20-year-long plane. So it would be like waiting for Godot, but slightly happier. <laughs> yeah, completely cheerful. Yeah. Why is that bad? No, well, who would go and see it? You would. I would. Brandon. Yeah. Is it music time? Yeah. Okay. And this well, is no, you didn't finish introducing everybody. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. no. <laughs> And this is Jim Alkinson. He's never been in any play uh, that has anything to do with me. So why'd you bring him? um, Because he's an excellent guitar player. Is he any other? He has his own band, The Zinks. Yeah, Z-I-N-C-S. And he plays with Janet Bean from Freakwater in a band called The Horses Ha. And we go to for Vietnamese sandwiches every Wednesday. Do you go to the place on North Avenue? Yeah. No. Lawrence Avenue. Lawrence and what? Lawrence and kind of, where is it? Between California and Rockwell. What's the name of it? What's the name of that sandwich? Newland Bakery. Newland Bakery. Newland Bakery. Newland Bakery um, give, give if you've ever been there, every week they have more things. Yeah. Newland Bakery. The first Lawrence, week I went there, they just had Rockwell. sandwiches the first week. And the next week they had like they new? little pork pies. Then they've got like drinks with things in the bottom. It's fantastic. <laughs> Could you could you name a song "Drinks with Things in the Bottom"? <laughs> like Roger, Robert, no, no. Okay, Jeremy, play it for a little bit, and uh, we're gonna set up John Langford. So stick around. <laughs>
This is called Strange Ways to Win Wars. The reason we're doing this is because we have... Ooh, a spaceship has landed. Because we have an ambient uh, album to promote. This track is called... Uh, no, this, this, this song's called Strange Ways to Win Wars. And it's a bit like I was enjoying um, Mr. Fritz's commentary on the current regime. And uh, the shine is often for me as well because we keep too many civilians in Afghanistan, you know. Choice, and in the end, there 
Discussion about proximity here. So. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, um, this is pretty special, isn't it? So it's all special. This song's also very cheap. It's a cheap shot. This song uh, is called "Getting Used to Uselessness," and I don't know. I started writing it about. Something else altogether, but it ended up being about Dick Cheney. So there you go. Most of my songs ended up being about Dick Cheney. <laughs> or just Dick. Right? Yeah. Yep. Two, one, two, three, four. Getting used to useless 
was conscious of our chains Power slips away but then track of my new album on Bloodshot Records, which I'm here to promote, but I almost forgot to do it. Uh, this song's called Old Devils, and the album's called Old Devils, and the band's called The Old Devils. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's good and bad, aren't they? You know, it's like everything, Old Devils, it's Dick Cheney, and it's like, you know, Dylan Thomas. Me, I'm an old It's all a joke to me 
There's no cameras, are there? Oh, all oh, right, all oh, right. Okay, okay. This, this song's called The Book of Your Life. Um, two, one, two. Oh, you need a bit of time to think about this. Jim likes to think about this one before he starts playing it, so we're going to talk amongst yourselves. Maybe the piano player could come from there. Oh, yeah, okay. 
You're still, yeah. still playing the last one. It's yeah, awkward because that it, yeah. one's in the same key. I know, that's the, yeah. You're not it's, supposed it's, to tell them. Confused? No, I'm demystifying the process. You ready? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. <laughs> like, I wrote it. <laughs> One more song now. 
songs on it, I believe, and we know we know six of them. Uh, maybe there's only ten on it, we know. That's pretty good. I've never been this prepared for anything. It only came out last Tuesday. So. This song's called Luxury, and... Uh, it's not autobiographical. Because everyone asks you that, so I, I wanted know, to dispel. Yeah, We're not, demystifying. We're demystifying. No, it's not really autobiographical, please. This is about my... Uh, when I was 13, I had a I had a girlfriend, she was beautiful, and her father took her to South Africa, of all places. <laughs> Just because of economic pressure. Christ. <laughs> it's not about that at all. <laughs> Just made that up. I never ever had a girlfriend. Ready? Yeah. Jim Elkington. Bye. 
You just sold some records, which are available now for sale. Are oh, you have something to sell? I think I got two. Two to buy. Obviously worth it. And I'll sign them and smear them with whatever you want. I have some books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I asked John to, a to, bookish event, so I to, to bring some of it, bring one of his books, and I bought one earlier, and it's fantastic. And a, and a lot of the stuff that I uh, would uh, would see on the wall while I was drinking uh, five years ago is in that book. So thank you. Because I could never afford one of your originals. Thanks for putting it in a book. I used to do these art shows in Delilah's, and it was really great because people would get really drunk and buy everything because the, <laughs> the lighting was so bad in there, you couldn't tell. What I love them. I love them. And so, so buy his book. It's right, very, very thank good. Thank you. We'll, we'll get off it. No, 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 no. Uh, would you do this again? Not like tomorrow, but like inevitably. <laughs> if well, I was over like. Over and over again for the rest of my if life. If I asked you like a year from now, like, hey, would you a come on the show? A year from now. Well, if I'm here, I will come on the So you wouldn't be like. No. If still functioning. If you're still functioning... I would do that. James. You would consider it. I would definitely consider it. Thank you. It. James, would you consider coming back in a future date? Only if John... Only if John... Nathan, would you consider coming uh, back? I think you should... I think next time you should make it... Can we just... Lock the doors! Can we all be on stage at the same time? Because I had some really interesting things to say when Nathan you guys want to do a round table six months from now? I couldn't think of anything to say when you were, like, looking at me. So, you know... Like right now. Thank you so much All for right. doing this. Um, <laughs> we're going to close the show. Um, I think John's, when I, when I hear John's music, I think of both wakes and weddings for some reason. Um, I think it's, it's wonderful. And James's Fritz comedy makes me think that I am a guilty white liberal man, because I am. And uh, Nathan's books remind me that I really wish I kept writing because he's really good and inspiring. So buy his books. Go see James at the Bee Kitchen. Buy Mr. Langford's records and books. And if we raise $1,000 right now, we need to raise $1,000. We're going to walk around with this wicker basket. If we don't get $1,000, all that money will be put towards a projector. But if we get $1,000, I rip off my shirt and I jump into a table and stab myself in the chest with glass. Okay. Those are the rules. Now you know the game. We also have a mailing list. Sign up, blah, blah, blah. It's only once a month, and you'll know about these events. Uh, we have a live show two weeks from now. We have great guests. We have Nell Taylor from the Chicago Underground Library. Merle is going to walk around right now, by the way. Um, we have very, very funny stand-up, and we have the music from Tangleweed. And Michael Palasak, who was just in The Tonight Show. And closing the month out is going to be another great show. Thomas Connor, Chicago Sun-Times trick, Marty DeRosa, and Daniel Knox. Thank you so much for coming, everybody. Give yourselves a round of applause. I had a lot of fun. 
These are three of the most talented people in the city. Support their work. Support this bar. Thanks to the Hungry Brain. Thanks for all of you. And uh, that's it. I'll get off stage. Have a good night. Follow us on Twitter at YMTE. Friend us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everybody. And for details on Monday and Tuesday nights at the Hungry Brain, go to youmethemeverybody.com.